Today, I get to interview Carlos Gill. Carlos is the CEO of Gill Media Co., a marketing agency. Carlos has spoken on stages with Gary Vee, Ty Lopez, and has interviewed people like Grant Cardona and the like. Today, we're gonna go through a journey of when Carlos got laid off in 2008. He had a pregnant wife. He had a two-year-old. And he, was at a he had to make a transition to become an entrepreneur. He was forced into entrepreneurship and on social media. He took and mastered social media to the point where he worked for LinkedIn Corporate. He was a senior marketing manager at LinkedIn Corporate. Then he started his own company, Gill Media Co., where he supports entrepreneurs like us to go to the next level in our social media game. Here is the interview. Thank you for being on the show. And he is great to be here on the show with you, my man. So I, I just want to dive right into it. Let's do it. Cut the BS, but we'll dive right into it. Who is Carlos Gill, not only to the marketplace, mm -hmm. but internally at, at home and in the family? It's a great question. I'm someone who's driven. I'm passionate. Uh, my, my success factor in terms of like what keeps me up at night and what makes me wake up in the morning is just opportunity. Yeah. I'll share my story with you here on your show with your audience. But it's the fact that we're living in the greatest time in, you know, possibly uh, since the beginning of time, yeah. being that we have access to technology, we have the opportunity to really create what we want out of ourselves. You know, years ago, my dad used to tell me, if you didn't go to college, you'd be working at McDonald's. Mm -hmm. Like that was what I was told growing up as a kid uh, in, the, in the 80s, you know, today, you can be 15, 16 years old, and you can use YouTube to really get an education on par with what they would give you at Harvard. I know you're gonna have people out there that say like, wait a minute, you know, that's like really a stretch out there, but it's the truth, man. Like anything that you wanna do, the resources are right there in front of you should you choose to go down the path of wanting to learn and then take that knowledge and put it into practice. Gotcha, and what is it that you do? It's a good question. So I work in marketing. So I know what you do. For my audience, what is it that you do? Yeah, so I work in marketing. I've worked in brand marketing for the last 10 years. Yeah. Prior to that, I was uh, formerly a banker. I lost my job in 2008. At Citigroup, right? I was at Citigroup. Okay. And I lost my job in 2008. And due to the recession, I was forced to do what a lot of people in that era in 2008 had to do, which is dust yourself off. Yeah. And you keep moving forward. And you either make the decision to move forward or allow yourself to be defeated. So, so, so what was your living situation like? Did you, have a, did you have a wife, a girlfriend? What was going, what was going on in, in your life at, this, at that moment, 2008? 2008, I was 25 years old. Okay. I didn't have a lot of money in the bank. Okay. I was living paycheck to paycheck. My wife was eight months pregnant at the time, wow. and I had a two-year-old son already. And so, so you got a two-year-old son, a pregnant wife, no cash in the bank, and you're 25. I'm 25. Okay. So instead of saying, you know what, screw the economy, screw these big banks, I'm gonna go ahead and, and just go online and mope about it. Instead, what I did was I turned to LinkedIn. I joined LinkedIn the same day that I lost my job. I started to start- As a user? Yeah, as a user. Because you did work for them. I did work for LinkedIn. So as a user- As an employee. All right, you, so, so you're a user on LinkedIn and what happens? So the day I lose my job, I decide to join LinkedIn at the recommendation of my mom. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> mom to save Ironically, day. literally the first call I made was, well, first of all, I had a company car at the time. So I called my wife and said, like, hey, I just lost my job. I need you to come scoop me up for my office. Are you even going to keep the car? 
No, I didn't get to keep the car. I didn't get to keep the laptop. I didn't get to keep the company phone. Like, FYI to anyone out there watching, if your company gives you a car, a computer, or a phone, make sure you have, like, backups to all of those things. Yeah, yeah. Because if the job goes away, like it did for me one morning, like, you're SOL at that point. So was it, like, like abrupt? Like, you got a phone call and you was out? Yeah, literally, it was like my boss flew in. And he's like, hey, I'm at your office. Can you come meet with me? And, yeah, we're talking about November 2008. Wow. Like, back then, you would just turn on the TV. And I know, you know, you're a little younger, so you might not necessarily remember that, but you would turn on the TV and you'd hear about all these banks that were just going under. And, and it was because of the recession in the, in the market. Yeah, it was because it was because you know overinflation in the market. So the second call I made was to my mom and said, "Hey, mom, just lost my job." And my mom and dad are real estate brokers, and my mm. mom and dad are you know they're immigrants. They're okay. from Cuba. And Were you born in Cuba? I was not born in Cuba. Okay, cool. I was born in South Florida. South Florida. Cool. But my parents, you know, they've always raised me with this mentality of like, you got to hunt for what you eat. Yeah. So like, neither of my parents were like, hey, we're really sorry for you. They were like, all right, you're a smart guy. There's this website that we use as real estate brokers in our business called LinkedIn. And mind you, this is 2008. LinkedIn had only been around for a few years at that point. Okay. And she said, go on there. Your dad and I use this to network with human resource officers and with like heads of HR that refer us business, go on there and maybe you'll be able to network and find your next job. So I joined LinkedIn, same day I lost my job, started building up my profile, started networking, and then that the light bulb went off. You know what? I'm not gonna get a job in banking anytime in the near future just because let's call spade for spade, it is what it is. I also don't have a college degree, so it's not like I can fall back on a college degree. Do you at least have a high school degree? I have a GED. A G- so, so you even have a high school degree? I don't even have a I formal said, high, school high school diploma. Degree. Yeah, high school diploma. So I, you know, part of my story that we can dive into is I dropped out of high school at 17. Okay. Uh, but we can get to that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So stay in 2008, I'm like, you know what, times are tough. I don't have a lot of money in the bank. I don't have a network like I have today. There was no plan B, C, or D. Mm-hmm. It was like, all right, this is ground zero. I have to really hit the reset button and, and start over. So through LinkedIn, the light bulb went off. Let me start a, a company that helps people find jobs. And that's where the idea for my first startup came from. Hold on, so, so you're, you call your mom. She says, hey, use LinkedIn. You dive into LinkedIn, and then next you're thinking of a startup already. Correct. So how do you go from employee, city group, to Pretty much entrepreneur. Correct. So how, what's the it mindset? It was a shift? very fast transition. Okay. Again, it was, it was a realization that the job market sucks. I'm not going to find a job where I was living in, at the time, Jacksonville, Florida. I wasn't going to find a job in banking from November to the end of the year. It's the holidays. Hiring traditionally slows down when Q4 rolls around. And the closer it gets to the holidays, like that's it. Yeah, yeah. People you know, are not thinking about hiring employees until the new year, for that fact of the matter. So you you're at, you're using you're using LinkedIn. You're not at LinkedIn yet. You're using LinkedIn. Correct. And then you find thousands of people are flocking onto LinkedIn with the Correct. same story that you have, which is I lost my job. I need a job. And you f- now found a need and you created a startup. So you went from employee to entrepreneur. Exactly. So the name of my company was Jobs Direct USA. And Jobs um, Direct USA. Jobs Direct USA. Sounds like a corporate. Yeah. <laughs> so Jobs Direct USA. My competition was Indeed. It was Monster. It was Career Builder. I literally learned how to code in a matter of a weekend. What? And I'll, I'll tell you this, brother. Like when you are, when you've got family depending on you, when you've got nothing to fall back on, like your ass will learn how to code. So you what, will, you will, you will very quickly put like pride aside, and you will just figure it out. Let me. I just want to tap into that a little bit because you talked about bring your family. Mm-hmm. What did you actually feel? 
What did you actually feel? I was scared. Okay. Like, I'm not going to front. So he had, so Carlos had fear. Okay, great. Yeah, I was, I was scared. I was worried. Of what? Man, living on the streets. Okay. Not having a roof over my head. Okay. Not having, not having food on the table for my family. You know, I get, I get goosebumps, man, even talking about it. Like, there was a lot of times, man, where it, it, it got scary, man. Like, lights getting cut off. Did it? Oh, yeah. It no, did. It, it did happen. So what was that turning point that, that Carlos went from, ah, fuck, I, got, I don't have a job, to entrepreneur? So it's crazy, man. Um, a lot of things happened in a very short period of time. I had to start liquidating the little 401k that I had to self-fund from, my from business. Citigroup. Yeah. So you had a little bit of money you saved up from Citigroup. So, so I had, first of all, my severance package like went completely back into the business. And then for those who don't know, a severance package is when a company is going to lay you off, that they give you a little bread on the side and kick you, kick you on the street and say thank you. Yeah, I want to say, like, I got let go November 5th, 2008, and I was paid through, like, December 31st, 2008. Okay. It wasn't a lot of money. A little bit of money that, that was given to me went right back into my business. Okay. And I started doing these events called Pink Slip Parties. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I really want to touch in on that. What did you, so you felt fear, and what else happened? You felt fear, but there had to be a shift. Specifically dive into that shift that took place. So, so I'm going there. I think the shift was these events I started doing called Pink Slip Parties. Completely free events. Why? They would take. Why do you do them? Those events. So it's to give back. Okay. Like here's the thing. I'm 35 years old now, Andy. I was 25 back then. Yeah. Back then, like who I was as a entrepreneur and who I am today, it's two totally different people. Completely different. Back then, like I was just driven by this like passion and purpose mm. of helping people, mm. and it came from a place of you know yes, this happened to me, but like me, there are thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of millions of people just like me. They're in the same exact boat as I am, and I wanted to help. It wasn't about money. It wasn't about like creating a Silicon Valley startup. Yeah. Like honestly, like the things I know today in terms of like I used to live in San Francisco, you know the people. I'm connected to the access to like liquidity that I could acquire through like knowing VCs and whatnot. I didn't have that back then. Right. So you had to grind. You had to have so it. it was just like literally I had an idea. I had a purpose and I was going after that purpose, which was to help people find jobs. You have you have you find a need and then you create the pink slip parties. Mm-hmm. Now, what is it? What is the pink slip parties? Pink Slip Party was a networking event. Okay. It was a job fair inside of a bar. Okay, okay. So what I did was I, I went to this local bar uh, in Jacksonville, Florida, where I lived at the time, and said, look, I'm unemployed, but I have a business trying to find people jobs. And I want to bring a crowd to your, to your venue on like an off night. Uh-huh. So it was like a Tuesday or Wednesday night. And he, here's the kick. I'm going to be bringing unemployed people. They can't buy drinks. So it's a completely free event. I need you to give two free drinks to everyone that comes here. Did you pay them? No, I didn't pay the bar. So you didn't pay the bar and you asked them to give them... It was me going to the bar and saying, I want to do an event to help people find jobs. Okay. Are you in or are you out? It's like that simple. You're either in or you're out. But you're asking a, a company to give free products. So here's the thing. There's PR that's also involved with that. Okay, so they because there was a lot of media that came on, but like we're talking about the first one. I didn't know what was going to happen. Okay. Once I did the first one, okay. so I do the first things of the party. I go to this bar. They provide two free drinks for everyone that came through. Here's what happened, man. We had almost a thousand people in downtown Jacksonville. Show the first one. First one. It was all over the news, all over the media. I ended up in CNN Money for the work that I was doing through the pink slip party movement. You got CNN money? Then? I had CNN money that featured me. In two, On your first event? My first event. Oh my God. So you're 20... So, so think of the spin, But think of the spin though. If ex-banker 
who got laid off is now trying to help people find jobs during the recession. Yeah. So I learned that that was like a spin. Like nowadays, when people come to me and they're like, "Oh man, I want to get like traditional media," I tell them, "It's so easy, dude. Use Twitter, use Facebook to pitch to them. You just have, you have to have a spin." Okay. Like, what is your purpose if so you're going to pitch you were CNN or any one of these entities? You're an, you're an ex-banker. You're 25 years old, and you find that people on LinkedIn are, have no mm-hmm. jobs, and they're going to LinkedIn to find a job. Correct. You find a need in the marketplace, and then you say, so you become an innovative. So write this down. He became innovative. So I started up a job board that wasn't even sexy. Like, I remember three months into the gig, and when I say the gig, I'm talking about, like, my own company. Mm-hmm. I, through LinkedIn, found a potential investor. Okay. And we meet up for Panera. We had three breakfast meetings together. And I'll kind of walk you through how those meetings went. The first day, the guy absolutely loved me. Like, I went and left that meeting thinking, like, this guy's going to invest money. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is really going to work out. And the second day, he hated me. Why? So, like, we met three days in a row. Day one, loved me. Second day, he took me through the ringer. Hated, hated the idea. Didn't like me. Like, just completely broke me down mentally. Uh-huh. Day three says to me, and this is like the very next day. Day three says, look, I'm going to do this with you. If you can go out and you can get 50 people, 50 companies to onboard you through, through procurement and pay you even if it's a dollar, let me know and I'll write you a blank check. What is procu- onboard through procurement? Procurement are the people at corporations that will vet you. And they will cut you the check. For what? So like you have to go through, you know, for example, like now through my marketing agency, you know, I work with corporate marketing departments, but still procurement is the one that does like all their due diligence in the back end. Okay. Meaning like run your credit, run your financials, like really like oh, so do their due diligence on employees. Correct. So literally he goes, if you get 50 companies to believe in you, meaning like you gotta go out and sell to them, yeah. I'll write you a check for any amount that you want. Wow. So, so do you think that second day was kind of like a test? And you know, it totally was a test. Yeah. So here's the thing that I tell people, and again, 25 at a time, and I didn't go to college for any of this stuff. It was like the three like, best days of my life, professionally speaking, up to that point. Wow. Because it humbled the fuck out of me. Uh-huh. It broke me down. Like, I left day one feeling like a million bucks. Right, right, right. You thought you had it. Yeah, I thought I had it. Had, thought I had the money in the bank. Yeah, yeah. At day two, it was like, oh, man, this guy hates me. You, you, like thought, I didn't you thought you lost it. But I lost it. Okay. Day three, he put me through the biggest test, which was, I'm not going to give you something. You have to work for it. Mm. And you know what happened, Andy? What? I never spoke to the guy ever again. You need his money. I need his money. Thank you. I did not need his money. By the time I signed clients like 12 through 20, I didn't need his money. So I learned. So why did you think that you needed to invest in the first place? Because it's like anything else. You look at your bank account and you don't see enough zeros or commas in it. So you think like, all right, like I can't do this. Okay. I need the money. I need the money for advertising. I need the money to hire people. I need, hire, I, I need, I need to you know, outsource for people to code. And you know what? I learned through if I code on my own, if I do email marketing on my own, if I learn social media on my own, if I pitch to media on my own, now as a true startup, I'm bootstrapping the process and I'm learning the process. Wow. So case in point, this story that, I'm, that I'm, I'm bringing you in on and bringing your audience in on is what's taking me to this point of where I'm at in my career. Had this never happened at the very beginning of 2009 yeah. as a result of my layoff, I would never got a job at LinkedIn running social media for him. Hold on. Before we go there, before we go there, you're 25, though. At this 25, because I've heard it all the time that I don't, I don't have cash. I need investors. Mm-hmm. I, need, I need investors. 
What do you? I call bullshit on that. Okay. Because I see that. Like I've seen it living in San Francisco for the last three years. I've seen it living here in this market in LA for the last two. Yeah. When I was in Jacksonville, Florida, and no one knew who the hell Carlos Gill was compared to today. Yeah. Like my mindset wasn't wired back then with like I need to raise money. It became literally, I need to put food on the table yeah. for my family. So you had a necessity. Correct. So you became, you, 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 su- you suffered tragedy by losing the job. You, you had fear, so you became innovative. And then now you understand that you had a necessity. And that's why you did it. Correct. So you need to have a necessity. Absolutely. Okay, clear. So, absolutely. So the pink slip parties happen. I start doing these events. There's media showing up at all of them. And I start self-funding my way. To all these. So Orlando, Florida, right around like May of 2009 was when I hit like my first low point. I cashed out the remaining money in my 401k to be able to fund putting on my own event. When I say fund, I'm talking, talking about, about like, like six months after you got laid off. Yeah, I have to like drive to Orlando. I have to, you know, how get far, a hotel. How far is that from it, it's, like, it's like a couple hours, but still like there's, there's expenses involved, man. Right. Like there's gas, there's... You know, you, you at least want to buy some appetizers for your guests. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you don't want to, like, be completely cheap and, like, just do this thing, like, with no budget. And, and there's also hotel expense. So, long story short, I lose, like, my last – I use, like, my last 500 bucks to put on this event. And I get back to my hotel room that night, and I was just crying, man, just sobbing. Wow. And I was like, wow, like, I'm doing something to help people. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't about me. This is about the community that – I'm bringing together and the people that believe in me. Were you by yourself when you were crying? Yeah, man. Yeah. And it was like a very like just dark moment in my life where it was like, shit, I gotta keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, th- there's no question, am I on the right path? Something will come out of this. So I tell people, how did how did you know? It's just instinct. It's instinct, man. Like something, whether did you, you want, have doubt? whether you want to call it God, whether you want to call it a sign, whatever it is, man. It's instinct that hits you, and all of a sudden you realize, like, did you have doubt? Absolutely. So you had doubt even though... You <laughs> Absolutely. Had- like, it's normal to have doubt. Okay. Like, if you have no doubt in yourself, then honestly, man, like, I just think you're full of shit. Hmm. We all are humans. Like, the way we're wired is to second-guess ourselves for, for a variety of reasons. The way we're... Our upbringing, right, for example. Yeah. If you have money now, but you didn't grow up with money, maybe you have self-doubt. Do you hmm. deserve that money? If you are in a position where you got nothing, but you felt like you worked so hard, and now you're not seeing... The, like, the benefits of your success, there's doubt that kicks in. So, yeah, like, there was times where I could have gone and get a job somewhere. Did you think about that? Yeah, I thought about it. You know, I, I thought about it many times, but at the same time, I also knew I was on this path to do, to do greater. So, how'd you get, how'd you go? So, you, you created the pink slip parties, and then what, what's the big, big, big man, so, so a couple, a couple, like, just big things happened, man. First of all, I landed a national sponsorship with Sprint. So, you know, all these, all these amazing things so like, happen to So, I do this. So, like, like, hear me out, though. I'm doing events for free. I'm broke. Like, lights got cut off. But Sprint's there. Hold on. Okay, Sprint's Hold on. Okay. I'm doing events for free. Uh-huh. There's no money coming in for a year. For a year, no money came in. None. You're running off that 401. Bro, cars foreclosed. Like, my wife and I had no car. They took your cars? Gone. Came, towed them in the middle of the night, gone. Wow. Poof. So, like, this isn't the story of, like, how I drive a Maserati or Ferrari. Yeah. This is the opposite. Mm-hmm. The real shit. Yeah. So, car's gone. Mm-hmm. Home under foreclosure. Oh, my gosh. No money in the bank. Oh, no. Lights cut off. You got kids, too. And I got kids. And we're on food stamps. You call your mom? No. You call your dad? No. 
My parents, when I moved out and got married at 18 years old, said, you're an adult now. Actually, I'm sorry. When I dropped out of high school at 17 and got married at 18, my parents said, you know, you're an adult now. You got, you got a loan from the you bank? You got figured out. No, no, no loans, man. Like, my credit was shot. There, there was none of that. Okay. So. How you get out? A, a few things happened, man. A, f- a few key things. One, um, Winn-Dixie which I eventually went to go work for and started social media for them, hits me up. One afternoon, I'm at my home. So, so you, wait, did you end up getting a job? Hold on, let me, let me explain to you. Damn. So, Damn. so this, Damn, is, this is getting good. This, no, this is good. Friday afternoon rolls around, right? This is like late 2009 at this point. And a recruiter from Winn-Dixie hits me up on LinkedIn. She had come to one of my pink slip parties while being unemployed. So, so hear this out now from a psychology standpoint. When you help someone out at their lowest point, once they bounce back up on their feet, who do you think they're going to contact? Exactly. They're going to contact the person that was there for them and had their back. They're not going to contact the person that doubted them. They're not going to contact the person that says, like, hey, like, you suck. You're in a shitty position. Go figure it out. Mm-mm. So person gets hired and now is in a position where she has a budget at a company. And she hits me up on LinkedIn and says, hey, look, Carlos, we're doing a job fair at one of our stores on Monday. It's a Friday afternoon. Mm -hmm. And she says, how much would you charge me in order to promote our event like you do your pink slip parties? Meaning, get us on the news, social media, the whole nine. Dude, I didn't have a number. I wasn't making money back then. So I threw out a random number, which is, I want to say it was like two or three hundred bucks. It wasn't a lot of money. And you know what, man? I spent literally that entire weekend hustling to make sure that when Monday morning rolled around, there were people in suits for management positions at a grocery store. Real talk. Okay. And you know what happened? What? Monday rolled around. They had over 300 people show up to their store for 20 positions. Wow. It was the most successful job fair they'd ever, they'd ever seen. It was on the news. So they were really happy about that. Media is attracted to you. Exactly. So, and again, because I'd already built that bridge with local media, I already know who to contact at local media. Case in point, then when Dixie says, all right, we want to start doing more of these events. So I started doing a job fair series throughout Florida. And when Dixie was like the title, not title sponsor, but they were like the main employer at all of these. Mm. It was guaranteed revenue for the coming year. In the meantime, as I was doing these pink slip parties in Miami, Orlando, Jacksonville, you name it, the head of Hispanic marketing starts following, for Sprint, starts following me on LinkedIn, starts following my progress. So we start casually just talking. I said, man, like I would love for Sprint to get behind this and be a title sponsor. So in 2010, Sprint signed on board. So now the Pink Slip Party, which for one year made no money, Mm -hmm. was literally a business entity within like if you want to call it a startup, now I had a title sponsor. We, were, we did the Pink Slip Tour in Detroit, Minneapolis, back in Miami, you name it. So, the, it was, so were you generating income at that It point? was a six-figure sponsorship. Amazing. 2010, Fast Company has, has, starts profiling the most influential people online. And 2010, I was number 39 in the world, most influential people on social media. More, influen- more influential than Shaquille O'Neal at the time. So the reason why I share the story with you and your audience out there isn't to front like I'm better than anyone because I'm not, but my story is real. Yeah. And I think that today when you, when you look under social media for what it is, we're glorifying people and giving them influence based on aesthetics. 
based on a follower count, cars. based on cars, based on material objects that you or I could acquire on our own if you know how to get it. But true influence, my brother, is what you're doing to influence others out there to change their life for the better. If you're not influencing people to be a better human being or to be in a better situation financially, then man, you got your priorities completely mixed up when it comes to how you view the word influence. Yeah. So, so you now supported Winn-Dixie and now you're this guy that's on top of Shaquille O'Neal on the 2010 Fast Company. How did you get in touch with LinkedIn corporate? Yeah, so end of 2011, I have a meeting with Winn-Dixie and they say, you know what, we're, we're actually gonna bring social media from a recruiting standpoint in-house. And we're gonna take this contract from under you and we're gonna turn this contract. Keep, keep talking. Yeah. He's gonna look at that camera. We're gonna turn this contract into a internal position and save ourselves like the money. Yeah. So this is like the highs and lows of being in the agency world or like startup world that you don't hear enough people talk about. You never wanna lose money, right? You never want somebody to take a contract from under you because that's how you pay your bills, that's how you put food on the table for your family. So I said to Win Dixie, We've already been working together for a couple years now. Why don't you think about hiring me to be your social media lead? And that's exactly how it went down, man. I you know, went through the formal interview process. Remember going out to dinner with my wife and having just a very real conversation. I said, like, look, you know, at some point this recession is going to be over. We're kind of getting onto the other side of this. So you knew that. We're going to have to rebuild credit. We're going to have to acquire assets, which require financing, like buying a house, buying cars. And in order to do that, I'm going to have to have a stable paycheck from a company. Yeah. So that's exactly what I did, man. I um, sold my interest in my business to a business partner I ended up bringing on. I exited from Jobs Direct USA and I went to go work for Winn-Dixie as their first ever head of social media. And to me, like that was where my career started over again. So unless it's an interview what, like... What portion of the Winn-Dixie's company were you operating in? So I was running social media for the entire organization. What year is this? This is at the beginning of 2012. 2012. So I was there so for 2012. social media. Correct. Okay. I was the first ever social media hire for Winn-Dixie. Okay. And I was there for two years, built out the team, uh, built out the entire infrastructure, so like your Facebook, you know, presidents, Twitter, Instagram, you name it. And from there, I moved on to another company called Save A Lot. And it was in 2015 that I moved over to San Francisco to go work for LinkedIn. And the LinkedIn experience was interesting because I have such a personal history with LinkedIn. Yeah. And like, this is really crazy in terms of like being at the right place, right time. Um, a couple days, I'm, I'm in San Francisco interviewing for a job. And a couple days before I linked up with LinkedIn, no pun intended, a friend of mine's in town, his name's Travis Wright. And I don't think Travis would mind me sharing the story because there's a lot of irony in it. And we've, I think, talked about this publicly before. So if not Travis, I apologize. Um, so this guy, Travis Wright's in town, and I'm seeing him at a networking event in San Francisco. Again, mind you, I'm in San Francisco interviewing for jobs like with other companies. LinkedIn was not on the radar. I'm like, hey, Travis, what are you doing here in San Francisco? He's like, oh, I'm here interviewing with LinkedIn for a job. <laughs> I'm like, oh, interesting. Like, cool, dude. Like, I hope it works out for you. Um, the next day, I'm in an Uber. And this is like when Uber first rolled out Uber Pool, and they were, they were uh, demoing it in... San Francisco in the Bay Area. So I jump in an Uber pool. I had just left an interview and I'm wearing a suit. And this young lady gets in the car and she's sitting in the back seat with me. And we just start talking about like whatever, random stuff going on at the time. So she could tell I'm in a suit and she asked me, are you coming from work? I said, no, I'm coming from a job interview. 
She's like, oh, what do you do? I say, I work in social media. What do you do? She goes, oh, I work for a social network. Which one is it? She says, LinkedIn. It was like my eyes just lit up. It was like, what? Like, you work for LinkedIn? What do you do for LinkedIn? She says, I'm a recruiter. So I'm like, all right, like, you got a car? Like, what's your name? Like, let me find you on LinkedIn. Let's link up. Let's link up, yeah. So that's exactly how it went down. We linked up. She literally said, email me when you get back home to St. Louis, because I lived in St. Louis at that point. And she said, email me, and let's see what we can find you at LinkedIn. Mind you, my homeboy tells me the day before that he's, like, going through the interview process. Now, case in point, to anyone out there listening or watching, if you are in the interview process for a job, do not tell people where you are interviewing, because situations like this could very well happen. So I look on LinkedIn's website. I see their job openings, and I'm like, all right, like, I'm going to apply for a couple of these roles. I was on a flight the next week back to San Francisco for a face-to-face job interview, and the team there asked me, like, what makes you different from the other candidates? And I shared with them literally what I just shared with you, my story. It wasn't where I went to school because I didn't go to school. It wasn't, like, what my GPA was. It wasn't, like, any fancy story in terms of, like, what I did at other companies, even though I had those case studies to share with them. It was my story. I literally got the recruiter to cry while I got teary-eyed in front of her. I was able to move people by letting them know, like, this opportunity, this logo on the wall isn't just who pays your bills. This company, I feel like, has played such a big, pivotal role in my life and on my career that if I can do anything and give back to it, I will. And that's exactly how I got hired. Wow. So your story, the fact that you can communicate effectively your story to that recruiter LinkedIn, got you that position. The position I got LinkedIn was down to two finalists, my friend Travis and another person. Two finalists mm-hmm. out of hundreds of people, if not thousands, that applied for that one job. So hundreds of people apply. Then they start doing phone screenings. Then they start dwindling it down to like you bring in five or six people and then you have like your finalists. And typically in any company, when you get down to two people, you then bring those two people like through the ringer, so to speak. Like they're going to be interviewing with different people internally. So this role was down to two finalists. And I was able to proverbially win over the, the, the field, so to speak. So you, with got, my story. you got over Travis and the other person mm-hmm. because of your story? Because of my story. Wow. Stories move, man. Stories like, move people. They, they, they do. Like, why do we consume content nowadays from people yeah. online? Well, it's because of the story. Because of their story. So, so now, you, now you're at LinkedIn. How do you go from LinkedIn to where you are now? Because <laughs> so now, now you're running a multi First of all, First of all, I think that, you know, and, and I've documented this before. I don't want to necessarily say, like, I'm a bad employee because I know I'm a good employee. But, like, who I am as an employee doesn't always necessarily mesh well in corporate environments. And there's, mm. there's a few different reasons for that. And I think like the older I get, I feel more comfortable talking about it, at least publicly like this. And that's again, like the public brand piece, personal brand piece. Most corporations don't want you to have a personal brand. Why? That's a good question, man. My, my kind of 30,000 foot guess would be, they feel that you're building your brand on their back. Like you're leveraging their logo, you're leveraging the time that they're using to pay you to build your brand. And I think that's real, dude. Like if I'm paying someone, you know, 120, 150 grand a year, right? I'm going to want them to work for me from the hours of like 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. And I'm going to want them to be dedicated to that. And I think, again, like the older I get and I look on like where I've failed, so to speak, in like corporate roles, I think it's that like in a you, way. You support that companies do not allow the employees to build their brands. Are you in support of that? No, no company, no company is going to tell you flat out 
that they don't support you. Are you in support of that? No, I'm not. I think that the workplace continues to change because of the people in the workplace are new faces. They come from this generation that has grown up with social media. And I think that companies need to take a step back and analyze how do we get the most out of employees in the time that they're with us instead of us assuming that they're going to be here forever with us yeah. and we're going to limit their potential. So things where, where, I, where I know for a fact, because it's happened with me, where companies will go ahead and put a, a hard cap on you is like speaking engagements. If you kind of look around the landscape of most conferences, you see a lot of the similar names from the brand marketing world because most companies don't want you to go speak. I know when I was at Winn-Dixie, our CMO at the time did not want me to go speak. And you know what? They told you straight up? They told me straight up. Okay. And eventually, I moved on to another company. The next company I went to, yes, I spoke at some events, but as soon as your colleagues start seeing that you're not in the office when they are and like you're out posting photos in another city and you're being wined and dined by vendors... Yeah. Then that creates heartburn, and then they go to management, or they go to HR, and then all of a sudden, they'll come in, and they'll say, like, hey, you can't speak. You know, there is, you know, a, a company I worked at in between LinkedIn and you know, my own company today where I'm at that I was able to speak for two years. And then when our CMO left, at that point, like, that freedom, if you will, was gone. How did you transition out to become your own boss and run your own company? Man, so... The switch just goes off in your head where one day you're like, all right, like I should be doing bigger things. But what took place? Where were you at when, when that switch went off? So, you know, quite frankly, I've worked at four different companies. So when Dixie saved a lot, LinkedIn and BMC software. And like within me, I knew I was going to continue to have the same problem at every company where I worked. Okay. I want to be on stages, on stages and speak. Why? And good question. I like to teach. Okay. And being in a corporate environment doesn't give me the opportunity to truly make an impact and influence others the way that I know I'm, I'm, I'm destined and able to teach others. Yes, you can teach people in the boardroom. But at the end of the day, when you're in a boardroom, all those people are going to just like flock back to their cubicles or their offices and they're going to continue to do the was same it, things. Was it ego-driven? What was ego-driven? That you want to be on stages? No, not at all. I like to teach. It just comes down to that, man. Okay. I have a passion. When I'm on stage, like that is my domain. Those 30 minutes, that hour that I'm there is like, that's my but space, did, did, Was BMC like one of those companies that didn't want you to speak after the CMO left? Uh, after the CMO left, yeah. yeah. It was just one of those things where it became like, hey, you're going to have to either stop doing this um, and you can stay working here or you're going to have to find your way somewhere else. So, so what was the transition out? Hey, Ellie. Hey, can you just do me a favor and just grab this real quick? There you go. All right, perfect. What was the, tra- what was the transition out from BMC Soft to you being your own boss now? How, 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 what did that look like? So, you know, I spent about a year and a half, two years side hustling. Okay. If you will. And that was leveraging the events I was speaking at to network with as many people as I could, knowing I'm going to leave my job at some point okay. and I'm not going to go work for another corporate job and I have to have a backup plan. So again, 25, at 25 years old, I lost my job. I had no plan B. Why did you go? Why did you 35, hold on, 10 years go by, you learn a lot about life right, right. and you also learn a lot about yourself. And you know, if I'm going to make this leap from getting paid a six-figure salary to making no salary, you have to have liquid assets in the bank. Okay. That's just a fact of life. Okay. You can't live off of credit. You have to have liquid assets in the bank. And you have to have clients that are going to pay you for you to be able to supplement and recoup that income that you're not making on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. 
But why did you go from employee to entrepreneur back to employee? That's a good question, man. It's always, I just think, been in my DNA. My parents are, are career entrepreneurs. To be, to, be, to be an employee? No, to be an entrepreneur. But, but you were an entrepreneur. Why, did, why didn't you say? So, so, again, it was necessity. I was an entrepreneur. I made no money at 25 until the age of 28 as an entrepreneur. I didn't make much money. But you were making money when you were on Fast Company. Correct. But it wasn't stable. Okay. There's months where you make 30 grand. There's months where you make 500 bucks. When you've got a family kid, like you need to think of them first. Okay. It's not about me. It's not about the shoes I'm wearing. It's not about the house I live in. It's about how do I support these people that depend on me in order to eat. That's first and foremost. Did you not believe that you could have made it? Priority number one. You know what? I think about this a lot. Where I think, did I, did I do the right thing going back to work? Mm. You know, and I think that because nowadays I see, how old are you, Andy? 23. I see young men and women like you, even younger, that at least from what I see on social media seem to be living their best life, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much of that is, is fact. I don't know how much of it is fiction. I don't really get in the weeds of other people's life or business for that fact of the matter. So when I think back, did I waste time between 25 to 35? The reality is that because I didn't go to school to get an MBA and learn marketing, I got paid to go work for corporate America and get these logos on my resume that afforded me the opportunity to buy a house or houses again, afforded me the opportunity to rebuild and get back up on my feet. And at the end of the day, experience, bro. Like you cannot buy experience. You acquire experience over time. So again, this is something that I've thought a lot of times, like, man, I would have written four or five books by now had I never gone to work in corporate. Where would, you, where would your business have been, do you think, if you stayed an entrepreneur the whole time? <sighs> 10 years. That's a good question, man. I honestly don't know. You regret it? There's times where I do. You know, there's times where I think like, damn, like if I would have gotten venture capital, I could have started the first job board mobile app and probably sold to LinkedIn and been a multimillionaire today. Like that's the one thing that I think like, damn, I did this wrong because I could have done things differently. And hindsight's always 2020. Right, right, it's right. easier. But the thing is like, this is the key. Sitting in a Panera Bread in Jacksonville, Florida in like 2008, 9, 10, and 11, venture capital's not in my face. The network and the connections are not in my face. I don't have any concept of that. Like that in my mind does not exist. Well, I went to go work at LinkedIn and I live in San Francisco and now you're working for a tech startup that's publicly traded and you're mixing and rubbing elbows in the right circles with people. And then you come here to Los Angeles and you start kind of looking under the hood to how the business world really works as a entrepreneur or startup founder. You got that experience, you got that knowledge. Without that, man, like, you can't go very far. So there's benefits to both, then? There, there are benefits to both, because, like, here's the thing. Like, you asked me at the very beginning of this interview, like, who are you? And I think I didn't really get to the point where I was able to answer it, because I started kind of going on this tangent of, like, my story and things like that. At the end of the day, I know social media marketing better inside and out than probably anyone that you'll ever meet. Like, I'm saying this on camera, on audio, for a fact. How many followers do you have? It doesn't matter about followers. So what does it matter about? It doesn't matter. It matters about the impact that you drive. So mm-hmm. the people that consume my content are customers. They're clients. They're people that pay my bills today. Wow. They're conversations I have in direct messages. Followers, dude, at the end of the day, is just a vanity number. So why, why are we That's chasing it. followers then? I'm not chasing followers. Are you? No, why? <laughs> in the social, I am chasing followers. But Wait, why? 
And why am I, I? I get to figure that out. Like why? Why is a why is a number make you any different than what you are? Because when people go to my social media site, they they gauge of where I'm at based on my following number. Th- those aren't the people you want in your circles, bro. Like I'm here today with you not because of your social media followers. I'm here with you because when I met you at Ty Lopez's house, like out of everyone that was there at his house that that night, you're like the one person that stood out. And I made it my business to hit you up. It wasn't like you hit me up. Yeah. I was in a corner just chilling, observing the field. And I said, all right, I like this dude because there's something in him that reminds me of a young Carlos skill. Ooh. And that had nothing to do with social media followers. I could care less. In fact, I like meeting people when they're like right, right? When they can be molded. Like that's a sign of a leader. That's mentorship. The people that in their minds think they've already made it because they're verified on Instagram are not the people that I'm going to truly be able to influence because they're not going to let me in because now they're going to look at me versus them based on aesthetics. Mm. So when I, when I answer your question, like, who am I? I'm someone that knows social media marketing inside and out. And the reason why is because at the first half of my career in the last decade, I had to study social media in order to feed my family. Okay. You find me someone else out there that has had to do that. And, and when I talk about study, bro, I'm talking about 4, 5, 6 a.m. When my neighbors are waking up to go to work and I hear cars starting and I'm still on my computer studying how algorithms work, yeah. studying key posting times, creating my own content, truly studying who the players are. And then go work in corporate America, which is a different beast. Like, here's the thing. You have a lot of gurus and marketers and, and very successful people that know the game of social media, but they've never spent a single day in their life in a corporation as an employee. The game is different on that side. Like as an entrepreneur, it's one thing. As a corporate marketer, it's another. Like when you're a corporate marketer, you're not consuming content of the people that we consume their content nowadays. Right, right. You're looking at what other brands are doing. You're, you're analyzing the ROI and like the balance sheets of what your marketing is doing for the brand where you work, not for your pocket. It's a different game. So, 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 so there is. You're sharing with me that there is a difference between corporate social media and entrepreneurial. There absolutely media. is. So, okay. for example, you know, I spoke at Tizeman earlier this year, his mentorship conference, and my talk was more motivational. It was more how to how to build your brand. It was tapping into my story to teach people because Ty's audience is very much an entrepreneurial audience. Right. When I speak at events, like for example, next year in 2019. With Digital Summit, I'll be at 20 U.S. cities speaking on their circuit. When I'm in front of a digital marketer that works for a corporation, I'm not speaking to them about how social media is used as an entrepreneur. I'm speaking how it's used as a corporate marketer. Granted, there's parallels in both. With with a corporate entity, you, like you have an abundance of resources at your disposal. Like you have your own community management team, you have your own creative budget, you team, budget. you have budget. Like you know, <clears throat> I've managed millions of dollars in budget. I don't have millions of dollars to spend on the Carlos Gill brand, but at the same time, my agency represents brands today in which we're managing ad budgets for them and we're running social media for them. So kind of going back to answering your question with like purpose, you know, you do the same job over and over again and you recognize like I'm not hitting my full potential. Like I've hit a ceiling and this is as high up as I'm going to go. And you know what? That paycheck every two weeks isn't that sexy anymore because however many times I get to go to P.F. Chang's and Cheesecake Factory is based on how much that paycheck is. You get tired of that. Man. Yeah. 
And you start realizing, like, I'm not hitting my full potential. So how can someone who was in that similar predicament, right now they're 23, 24, 25, mm-hmm. they have that drive, they want to be where you're at right now. Where is your, right before, before you answer that, where is your company at right now so they can have a, uh, an idea? Los Angeles? Well, I, know, I, know <laughs> I know physically, but now you're speaking all over mm-hmm. the country. What else are you doing? You got a book coming out. Mm-hmm. What else is Carlos Gill, the brand, doing? Yeah, so there's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes. Okay. And I don't necessarily feel that you should always let people in. You should operate stealth. So you say you shouldn't? Well, this is something that I tell a lot of folks your age. Like, there's this, there's this like, uh, like rush that we want to, like, let everyone on social media know what we do. Uh-huh. And there's some things that you need to keep close to the vest unless it's public information. Okay. So, yes, I have an agency. We represent corporate clients. You can go on my website. You can go on the business website, and you'll see who they are. Um, and I'm very proud of the work that Gill Media does. I'm also a speaker. I get paid to speak. I, last year alone, I was in nine international countries. And I'm representing. I'm writing a book next year. Uh, in addition to that, man, doing consulting also. So there's companies that want to work specifically with me. Uh, I'm currently creating a, a program for real estate agents uh, with a large training entity. So more to come on that. Um, but a lot of things, man. Like I'm living, I'm living really now my best years because I think like I've gone through the fire of the worst that you can go through. Like, dude, it does not get any worse other than being like kicked out of your home and literally having nowhere to sleep. It doesn't get any worse than having no money in your bank account yeah. and having the lights cut off in your home. Like that's pretty bad. So you you've been through the down and you've been to the top. like. And I think I told you this when we linked up on the way to the airport recently. When you know how to make things happen, the game becomes easier. Yeah. It's not hard anymore. Like when you know how to make money, when you know like how to get it and how to be successful, and I know it sounds like very vague, but like once you know the formula, it's not hard. But getting to that point in the moment is gonna seem like it's the worst thing happening to you. So like my advice to people, like for anyone that's listening to this or watching this, if there's one thing that you should take away is like, I don't know where you're at in your life right now, but if you're going through hard times, just know it's temporary. And if you can make it to the other side of where you're at, man, I'm telling you, the garden will be a lot greener. The next thing I want to dive in as a social media expert, and I'm going to, I'm going to test this right now. As a social media expert, you, you talked about keeping things south to the vest and mm-hmm. then also there's things that are public. Now, at what point do you cross that line? At what point, you know, my mom right now, we're doing a little Facebook Live as we're doing mm-hmm. this interview, and my mom is probably going to see this, and she doesn't like it when I show my house. She doesn't like it when I show my car. She doesn't mm-hmm. like it when I show I'm going to the dentist, mm-hmm. because it's like, why are you giving them access to your life? Right. So it's, put me on to that. My parents don't like that either, quite frankly. Uh, you got a lot of haters out there, like just in general. Like there's people that want to be- Mom. <laughs> no, there's people that want to be in the position where you're at. There's people that want to be in the position where I'm at. Like, again- you you want to keep things controlled because there's people out there that honestly, man, like they don't want you to succeed and you don't want to let them in on things that they could potentially mess up for you. So I can't tell you how many times. So I'll give you an example. That's based on fear. Well, it's just being smart. It's playing the game smart, right? So think of it. You like sports? I do. Right? Who's your favorite team? Uh, Celtics. Celtics. All right. So like I think of the Celtics, right? And I think of their coach, Brad Stevens. Right, Brad Stevens isn't making his playbook officially known on Instagram, is he? No. Why? Because he can't let his opponents know. Thank you. Which is why you shouldn't let your opponents know so everything. Who's my opponent? Who's your opponent? That's a good question, man. Two things. I always say that competition's a myth. 
because you're only competing with yourself in time. But the reality is that, like on the big scale of this of this ecosystem, there's people that want to take business from underneath you. So where I was going with this is, mm-hmm. there are so many times where I've seen people, talented people, put on Instagram that they just had a conversation with X company. Or they put on Facebook, oh, I just got the phone with this person at this company. And you know what happens? They lose the deal. Because either A, you're under NDA and you cannot disclose who you're having that meeting or conversation with. B, they haven't cut you a check. C, you have people that are now going to swoop in and try to steal that deal from underneath you. So you got to keep things close to the vest. So that that's like just business so one on one. Business. Now how about personal? Personal side, you also got to think of this. Do people really give a shit what type of car you drive? They might. Why? It's letting them into my life. Why? It's letting them into my Why life. Why should people follow you? Why should people follow me? Because Correct. I'm supporting their their progression, I'm supporting their vision. But in addition to that, on my social media platform, I'm letting them into my life. That way that when they see me, they know who I am, they have trust for me and they mm-hmm. love me. So here's my take on this, right? People are not going to want to follow me based on where I live, like where I lay my, my head down at night and what car I drive. My, my mentality is that you could flaunt that you have a Maserati, but that's not my car. You could flaunt that you live in Beverly Hills, but that's not my house. Yeah. So I necessarily am not drawn to you based on what you have. I'm drawn to you based on the person that you are and what's in here and also what's inside your heart. Right. So again, taking it back to when I met you, one of the first things I saw on your Instagram account was a video of you running to a mailbox to put books in the mail. Mm-hmm. That to me said, wow, this is like a good, genuine dude. That wasn't you driving a nice car. Right, right. That wasn't you on a boat. That was you just being a nice guy. So think about that. There's more people out there that are looking for help. There's more people out there that relate to the guy or girl driving a Toyota Corolla than the guy or girl driving a, a Ferrari or a Lamborghini. Right, right. Let that like really register. So when I, when I, when I share my car, I'm not, I got a Honda Accord. I just bought a Honda Accord. So I'm not sharing that I have a fancy car. What I'm sharing is a journey that, hey, I'm, I'm just buying So the car. car's a prop, but like you're the star of your right. show. Yeah. You're the star of your reality show. Make your content, if you really want to grow your followers, make your content be so damn good because you're, you're motivating people to change their life. Your Honda Accord isn't going to change people's life. Right, right. But you, who you are, we're in a studio right now to produce content to hopefully motivate and educate and inspire the world. Like, that's why people follow me. At what point do people stop on the personal side? Well, so I'll give you an example, man. I went through a divorce two years ago. And to me, that was a lesson in terms of like, all right, time out. Like, I shouldn't be exposing a lot of myself. Personally speaking, okay. because then you open yourself up to trolls. Again, it goes back to like, there's people out there that don't want you to succeed. Yeah, but you, why, why are you scared? DJ, DJ Khaled calls them they. Yeah, I know. It's not about being scared. It's about being smart because when you have corporations that are paying your bills, okay, right, you don't want those corporations to get wrapped up in it because trust me. That's true. I've been with a client of mine and I've had those trolls out there, thank you very much, that have trolled me and tagged my clients in it. Okay, that's not cool. Yeah, that's yeah. not cool. Yeah. When you mess up with someone else's bread... That's not cool whatsoever. So that's where you you have to hit pause and say, all right, what I'm putting out to the world, is it going to backfire on me in the the long run? Like, are people going to look at this and then not want to do business with me, not want to invite me to speak at their event? Like, I'll give you an example, man. I don't put content of me up anymore drinking alcohol Mm. because what's the perception? Oh, if this guy is posting like 
content of him on Instagram with drinks in his hand, he's someone that if we invite him to do a keynote at our event, maybe he's like going to drink the night before and not show up in the morning at 9 a.m. for an opening keynote. You know, there's, you know, I hate, you know, I hate to bring it up, but like it's the world that we're living in. Like there's like the Me Too movement. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you don't want people to perceive you based on the content that you put out that now perception is reality. So you're only showing a percentage of your life. You're showing what you want people to see. Okay. We're all like, we are all so ain't that the fake? puppeteer. Would you consider that to be fake? I would consider most of social media to be fake. It's okay. not a true, like, it's not a true lens into someone's life, man. Like, a lot of us are putting out the wins. We're so not putting the follow, failures. Why, do I, why would I follow Carlos Gill? So, the flip side was in 2008, 9, 10, and 11, when life was really bad, I was posting about the failures. I was posting about the hard times. And then as I had victories and successes, I started posting about those victories and successes. But because I'd already built a tribe of people that truly believed in me and my mission, then they were able to celebrate the success with me. But like, take into account, success is only your success. It's not everyone else's success. So why should people want to follow me? I'm going to teach you something. That's the only reason why I'm on these mediums. I'm not on here for my health. These mediums, contri- these mediums contributed to me getting divorced and going down that path. So why, would I, why would I follow Carlos Gill and what are you teaching me? I'm going to teach you how to be a better marketer. I'm going to teach you how to grow your business. I'm going to teach you how to grow your brand. If you sit and watch, you're not going to get the fluff that you're going to consume somewhere else. You're going to see someone who, if you truly do your due diligence, has walked the path and teaches people based on real, actionable experience. Okay, okay. So by my audience following you, Carlos Gill 83. Put, hey, hey, Ellie, can you put a, like, a, little, a little thing over here? Carlos Gill 83. <laughs> They're going to follow you, and you're going to teach them how to grow their brand and grow their business. How do I make money on social media? As we wrap up, how can I make or my audience make money on social media? So there's something media? called freemium content, right? And that's, that's content that you would essentially teach and have in a mastermind or have in a course, but you're giving people for free because you want to lead them down the path. For example, like my... My strategy has been a, a slow, methodical one. I have a book coming out in October of 2019. It's like a year away. Right, it's a year away. But I've already given, if you've been following me starting this year or last year, or if you go back and watch my content, I've been giving people value consistently for years mm. that you can consume for free. I've let you into my life. I've also shut down my a percentage. Personal, a percentage. A I've percentage also, of I've life. also closed it off. It's like the VIP section. Yeah. <laughs> I've also roped it off. And now I give you just sauce. Okay. I give you, I give you cuts of, of interviews like this. I give you cuts of keynotes that you're not having to pay thousands of dollars. You're seeing it for free. Now, when the offer comes to say, hey, by the way, you've been watching my content. I've got a book coming out. Here's the funnel that you can enter if you want to go deeper in this relationship. Now it exists. Gotcha. A lot of people just, they, they go in, they go zero to a hundred, just quick. They, they get on one day and they're like, all right, like, you know, I see Ty Lopez do this. I see Grant Cardone do it. It looks really easy. I'm going to be the next Gary Vee. It doesn't work like that. Like there's only one of these people. And that's why I try to tell everyone that's just getting in the game. It's like, you, you, you have to be a student before you're a teacher. And even yeah. if you're a teacher, continue to be a student because these mediums are constantly evolving and changing. So now the last question that I have to you is, it's probably not going to be the last, man. But, Keep it going. But, but where, where can you take us? Where can you, what journey can you take us moving forward? So I know you got the book coming up, but where can you actually take us 
moving forward. Take you physically? Or no, no, digitally? Not, not digitally. <laughs> digitally, baby. Physically, I think we can we could go some places, you and I, and we can bring we can bring the crew with us. No, I'd say digitally, um, from a digital standpoint, 2019 is gonna be a big year for me. Yeah. Because the good fortune that I'd say I have at this point is like I've studied all the greats in the industry. I've studied their book launches. I've studied what's made them successful. And now it's like, all right, like, like I said before, once you know and you have the roadmap in your hands, it's not hard. You just do it with your own seasoning on it and your own flavor. So there will be more documentation okay. coming up in the next year. I'm going to start bringing people behind the scenes of what it's like to write a book. There's oh, a lot of people out yeah. there that aspire to write a book. There's a lot of people out there that I want them to not just buy my book, but I want them to tell people about it. So I'm going to bring people in behind the scenes. I'm going to start documenting a lot more. I started this vlog series a couple years ago called The Hustle Diaries, and I, I took a year off this year from vlogging so I could focus on growing my business. And now you know, I'm at a good place where the business is running, and you know, there's you know, people that I employ that keep the business running, and content. I'm going to keep that content just funneling through. That's what I'm and what about. I've learned, you know, kind of just to spit some sauce on social media, what I've learned is you got to be in people's faces. Okay. The more people see you show up, the more they're going to digitally buy from you. The more they're going to get used to seeing you and hear from you. But you got to show up. Where are we going as, as social media? Where are we headed? Instagram, Facebook, and all these other platforms. Where are we headed? You know, a lot of marketers seem to think that Facebook is going away. Facebook's not going to die. Facebook, I'd say, is up there with Google. My space died. No, Facebook's one of the most powerful companies in the world. And if you look under the hood, what they're doing, they're really trying to own communications. Okay. Uh, so they're not going away. Facebook will continue to evolve. Facebook is a great platform where, provided if you have money to spend, you can advertise on there and you can reach whoever it is that you want to get in front of uh, for the most part. For example, I work a lot with real estate agents. Mm -hmm. And I train real estate agents on how to use Facebook as an advertising medium to find first-time home buyers, to find people that want to sell their homes. Uh, Instagram is the hottest social network right now. So I'd say if you're trying to reach anyone between, say, the age of 18 to 45, it's Instagram. One question for you. Is Snapchat dead? Snapchat is dead. When did it die? Yes. Uh, for me, it died when I jumped off. Because then it was dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd say that's been a rough year for Snapchat. So what happened? You know, they, did, the expert, they did not innovate at the level which Facebook has innovated. I know a lot of people out there will say, well... Facebook through Instagram ripped off all of Snapchat's features. That's innovation. Mm. Like you're taking your platform, you're adding features to it. You're innovating. Yeah. You're also disrupting the space because you're taking features that work on another platform and you're integrating it into yours. I'd say that where Snapchat messed up was honestly going public. As a public company, you now have a fiduciary responsibility to your shareholders, which is to be profitable. And if you don't get brands advertising on your platform, you're not going to be profitable because let's mm. face it, you're a free social network. Users aren't paying, everyday users aren't paying to have access to it. And what happens is as tribes and communities start to like disappear and go to another social network, people follow. So gotcha. I think it's just been a rough year for Snapchat. I don't use Snapchat much anymore. You know, Instagram's really become my go-to. Is there another social media platform on your radar that could be the next big thing for us? Yeah, there's no platform on my radar. I tell people all the time, don't go chasing shiny new objects. I think that's a mistake that, that people make quite a bit. I think they'll listen to the gurus that say, like, you have to go land grab on these new up-and-coming social networks. But why wouldn't you just focus on doubling down or tripling down on networks like Facebook that give you 2 billion users on the platform? Instagram that gives you 1 billion users on the platform. 
sites like Twitter that give you half a million or half a billion users on the platform. Like if you're not dominating these social networks, then why are you going to go somewhere else? Okay. Because it's going to all come back to right one place. If you meet someone professionally speaking, they're going to look you up on LinkedIn. So you have to be on LinkedIn and be active and have a good looking profile. Okay. If you are creating content of any kind nowadays, it's either going to be Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. So if you're now like, all right, I'm, I'm going to ignore all these. I'm going to go like on the next new thing. I'm going to be a baller and an influencer in that new thing. People are going to come right back to all the other platforms where you're not an influencer, where you're not a baller, and where you don't have a presence. What advice do you have for a new content producer that comes into the market, that comes online, and it starts at zero followers, and he says, I want to be the next podcast. I want to be the next Lewis Howes. I want to be the next Carlos Gill. I want to be the next Andy Audate. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for that? So I'd say, first of all, never aspire to be the next anyone. From about the age of 25, when I first learned about Gary Vee and Red Crush It!, you know, I said to myself all the time, oh, I want to be the next Gary Vaynerchuk. I want to be the Latino Gary Vaynerchuk. And you know what, man? I turned 30 years old. A light bulb went off in my head. And I said, I want to be the best version of Carlos Gill. Mm. And I'd say to anyone else out there, look at these individuals not as mentors. Because they're not mentors. They're not mentoring you. They're motivating you. There's a difference between a motivator and a mentor. And there's a very fine line. And this word mentor is like always thrown around out there. Someone that you consume their content, digitally speaking, is not your mentor. They're a motivator. So, and that's okay. Like that's not taking anything away from, from any of these individuals. Because I think they're really good at what they do. And they motivate a lot of us to up our game, to be in a studio, to have nice cameras, to have nice audio. Because that's what we've seen works. Use that to your advantage. Right. But never aspire to be the next anyone. You know, you'll never hear any one of the greats saying, yeah, I wanted to be the next Tony Robbins. Grant said that. They just go out. Really? Grant said that. Interesting. What advice do you have for someone who's brand new in the game, either a new content producer, a podcaster, a videographer, whatever, whatever way they're producing content, what advice do you have for them on social media to grow? Start with your end game and work backwards. It's very simple. Where do you envision yourself getting to and how are you going to get there? What's your objective? It's like, why are you going to use these mediums? Uh-huh. For me in 2008, it was, it was survival of the fittest. It was for me to grow a business. Yeah. And that was it. To me, for me now at 35 years old in the year 2000, almost 19, it's to continue to grow my agency business, grow my business as a speaker, and now promote a book. So for any youngster out there getting started, the, the first thing is like, don't look at numbers at all, vanity metrics, don't look at that as your measuring stick because it's not. Your numbers will grow over time as you evolve and as you put content out into the world and as you expand your network. That's another thing too, is you have to keep meeting people. You have to keep meeting people every single day. Make it your objective to meet someone new. Social media is only gonna get you so far. It's not the end all be all. Like here's the funny thing about social media influence, right? You can be an influencer online and no one in the real world knows who the hell you are because a lot of that doesn't scale in the real world. Yeah. So instead of trying to impress people on Instagram that you'll never meet, that they will never buy from you, start getting more involved in your community. Mm-hmm. And then use social media as that bridge that gets you in front of people, that gets you that meeting where you can now share what you learn. But it starts man, with having that vision. Who do you want to be when you grow up? And the answer is not the next insert the blank. You heard it from the man himself, Carlos Gill. 
if you want to be the next content producer, the next podcaster, the next whatever, he's saying the social media expert is telling you to use social media as a tool, not the end-all, be-all. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Andy. Thank you. I appreciate you.